You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to In a Perfect World. There are so many loving cats needing only a home, but there are also so many potentially loving cats who just need some taming. I think of it as little lion taming. I'm Pamela Merritt from The Way of Cats. I have some feral taming experience that I'd like to share with you today because there's nothing quite like a cat we've brought in from the cold. This subject is much on my mind lately because we recently adopted a semi-feral kitten. When we took him out of his cage at the shelter, he snuggled. But at home, we would reach for him and he would shy away. If this situation was not addressed, we would have a kitten and then a cat who is still shy of human contact. Then, neither of us will get the affection we crave. Fortunately, our kitten, while he had a feral mother, was taken in by the shelter and given some socialization while he was there. This is why he would accept cuddling. Once you got him. Our new kitten was one of five, born to a feral mother outside. When the kittens were five weeks old, the whole bunch were caught and readied for adoption at a local shelter. He was given the shelter name Fudge. When much of his litter was prominently featured on a Facebook posting about an upcoming adoption event, Mr. Wave Cats fell in love. And no one has to talk me into another cat, ever. So we brought home our little piece Fudge, christened him Miss Rondeer, he'll grow into it, and discovered that the little guy who cuddled had to be caught first. That is always the challenge when it comes to reaching for a feral kitten. Their wild side reacts without thinking to threats of capture. Then we don't get to reassure them with cuddling. Grabbing them works in the shelter because they can't go anywhere. Once captured, they like the contact. This is how socialization can progress in a controlled environment, like a good shelter. But if we do not follow these same opportunities at home, we will see our kitten backslide towards ferality. They hide, they avoid, they run. Then we have a cat who is not used to contact. What makes this situation so poignant is that our new kitten loved to cuddle once we got him into our arms. He would follow us around, crying for attention. Yet if one of us reached for him, he would scamper away. I could not allow this to become a bad, self-reinforcing habit. So I made it a house rule that we would not reach for him unless we could capture him. This would help him learn that when we reached for him, happy cuddling would be next. So I waited until he was exploring a box or in the cat tree or was otherwise cornered. Then I would reach for him, get him, and have the happy outcome of good cuddling. I would enlist the other cats to find him when he was hiding in spots that made him hard to catch. I would pursue him under the bed or our big clawfoot tub until I got him. This would discourage him from hiding there again. Then he would enjoy the cuddling and sweet talk. I could tell he was friendly because he would look across the room at me with lots of cat kisses, those slow blinks that say they want to be friends. When I returned them, he became excited and vocal. He loved the interaction. He wanted the cuddling. He just needed to know it was safe. Kittens do need places to hide. They naturally want to screen out the overwhelming outside world sometimes. I just wanted him to pick good spots to do this, like the hidey box in the new cat tree or a comfy inside corner of the couch. Then, when he would signal interest to me from these places, it would be easier for me to move in for cuddles. It's important that I only did this because he was signaling with excited chirps and blinking kisses, that he wanted this contact, that he was open to my overtures. 
This is an important part of winning over any wary cat. We need to become a student of their signals. We can use this understanding to let them know our intentions and then feel confident about when they will welcome our approach. This lets us craft a program that reflects the individual needs of each cat. We must handle a halfway there, 10-week-old kitten like Mithrandir very differently than we would a desperate street survivor who barely lets us glimpse them when they appear to beg for food. Likewise, a wary cat can have a true feral background or they have become feral because they were dumped in the streets or the woods after a happy childhood. They are now highly suspicious because that is how they stayed alive. Any cat in a shelter could have abandonment or stress in their background and it can make them seem feral when what they truly are is depressed and withdrawn and resigned to what they are sure is a terrible fate but they could also have a distant memory of good times. If we can reach that, there's hope. Remember that kittens can give us dramatic results. In 48 hours, our 10-week-old Mithrandir had changed from a kitten who shied away from our petting hand to a kitten who climbed up onto the couch and nestled into me for hugs. He had always wanted human affection. Now that he knew we could reliably provide it and that there was no downside, he could give in to his own wishes and seek it out without worrying, without being frightened with us or thinking we were up to no good, without the fear his feral mother had implanted with her behaviors in his infancy. Kittens don't have to have direct bad experiences with humans. All they need, even if they are tiny, is sensing their mother's anxiety and fear along with evidence of human activity. The shelter told us the mother was pretty feral, yet did not object to shelter personnel handling the kittens. So this was a case of the mother being able to appreciate the food and shelter, even if it did not turn her into a pet yet. It's possible that, with time, even Mithrandir's mother would be happy in a home. However, with older cats, this can take considerable patience. But simply being around, making friendship gestures, and providing food, toys, and a safe space can do wonders for any cat, whatever their background or inclinations. Many of the problems with ferals are people's expectations of how far they can go and how fast. But it doesn't mean the human and the cat can't find mutual enjoyment in each other's presence and... This can be built upon. If we have a long enough time frame, it can be an amazing journey. So we see that scaredy cats don't have to be that classic feral, a cat formed by many generations of barn cats or wild hunters. Cats from many kinds of backgrounds might find their ability to get along with humans has been compromised. But unless there is a long history of distrust in the cat's background, there's also a strong possibility of fixing it. That is because our modern cat has been domesticated for over 12,000 years. That's a lot of genetic selection. That's a lot of companionship. That's a lot of potential trust. There are some cats who will never be tamed. These are the cats best served by humane trap, neuter, release programs, or TNR. These programs create feral cat colonies who get food and medical support and will gradually fade away. Yet the people who manage these colonies, and they are some of my favorite people in all the world, find that they can establish relationships with many of these cats. 
perhaps not the cat on the lap in the home we would like, but a close and loving friendship all the same. Even these cats, with every break against them, can do that. Did you know Way of Cats can be enjoyed on social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus? We also have a video channel on YouTube. Watch as I explain Litterbox training, the perfect scratching post, and how to make the most out of their play. I'll be right back with more in a perfect world. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back, talking about taming that tiger. To understand feral cats, we also need to understand the concepts of domestication versus taming. For instance, they are actually two different things. Domestication is the process by which we genetically adapt animals to live under our care in ways which are useful to us. Domestication creates a fundamental change in the DNA of the animal, something which can be passed on to offspring and create predictable behavior far down the line of the original intervention. Anyone who compares domestic turkeys with wild turkeys could see just how powerful these changes are in terms of appearance, behavior, and intelligence. Taming is when a wild animal is individually persuaded to respond to human control. This is a fragile thing which stress can disrupt, and a wild animal rarely gets to live in the manner their instincts demand. It is a basically unstable situation at all times which is shown by repeated tragic incidents in circuses, aquariums, and even in people's homes. Terrible things happen anywhere wild animals are kept without keeping them happy. With cats as pets, we have taken domestication a step further, creating a mutually beneficial relationship created and nurtured in an atmosphere of trust. So where do feral cats fit in? These are cats who have reverted to their wild instincts, which have been kept intact through thousands of years. They have learned human avoidance. There are stray cats who are merely a streak in the night, and there are stray cats who stay just out of reach and will talk to us all day. The key to seeing if there is any taming potential in a wary cat is to see if they engage with us at all. If so, they want a relationship, even if it's at just out of arm's reach. If they ignore us, don't make eye contact, and work to stay out of our sight, we don't have any impetus on their part to change. Humans simply are not part of their worldview. This is what makes such cats the equivalent of a wild animal. There really isn't a recognized word for wild animal who becomes our friend, but maybe there should be, because early on, this is what cats became. 
we really didn't change cats in the course of domestication. We simply chose ones who liked humans, and they were able to pass this on through genetics and modeling to their offspring. Look at dogs. Few dogs are much like wolves or coyotes now, and the ones who are stayed that way because their instincts were what we needed, like sled dogs or hunting dogs. With cats, what we needed was rodent control, and the cat did that very well already. The friendship, I'm convinced, was a bonus for both sides. Over the thousands of years we've been depending on each other, cats and humans have built a bond of trust. This is enhanced by the fact that cats retain their wild instincts, and most of the time, we do not find these get in their way of them being pets. So each of us is operating as we are meant to, and there is little conflict. I have fed wary cats who have slowly melded into the home, and I have had healthy and flourishing cats appear out of nowhere and decide to move in. It's not a matter of labels so much as it's a matter of attitude, the cats and ourselves. So my advice has always been if we get the slightest interest from a cat, if we get an extended paw or a verbal greeting or even a cat kiss, this cat wants to connect. We need to figure out how to make that connection with them, and all else can flow from that first exchange. Every modern cat has millions of ancestors who liked humans. It's terribly sad that so many have distanced themselves from this state through human neglect. If we get the slightest interest from a cat, an extended paw or a verbal greeting or even a cat kiss, this cat wants to connect. We just need to figure out how to make that connection with them, and all else will flow from having a successful first exchange. Every modern cat has millions of ancestors who liked humans. It's terribly sad that so many have distanced themselves from this state because of human neglect. Remember, they rely on us now. But that leaves plenty of good prospects we can rehabilitate, and assessing their current state is the first step. Kittens are still learning and are most easily tamed simply because they have not accumulated a lot of evidence to the contrary. Grown cats who once had a good relationship might have some confidence it will return. If they remember it and can access those memories, we can fit ourselves into that trustworthy slot. We can start by always being polite. Use our cat etiquette. I've gotten amazing results by mimicking the same body language adult cats use among themselves. It creates a bit of surprise. I didn't know you spoke cat. And this gives us an opening for friendship. Make eye contact, drift away, then reconnect as though we find them endlessly fascinating. Talk about them as we do things in the room they're in. Use their name. If they don't know it, use it anyway. They will come to know it is about them. Fearful cats find attention itself to be threatening, so it's the first and best place to start getting them comfortable with us, simply being there without pushing too much. These aren't kittens, so we don't reach out with the grabby hand, the hand with outstretched fingers. We offer the fist of friendship, and we talk and make eye contact, and we throw toys around. We speak aloud about how much fun it will be to play together. We should also do what I call size adjustment. This shrinks our size difference into something that is less imposing and less threatening. Extending our fist or lying on the floor makes us seem smaller and more approachable. As our cat becomes more comfortable with closeness, we can approach the cat with body parts that are not designed for grabbing cats and put them more at ease about our intentions. This is the big problem in winning over weary cats. They will be wondering, 
What do we want? Why do we want it from them? And if they have any impulses to connect with humans, these very impulses can also confuse and frighten them. This is what we saw in Mithrandir. He would approach, then run away. Talk about inner conflict. But I'm convinced that human closeness is now a domesticated cat default. We have to work against that to create a feral cat. When kittens are young and their window of learning is wide open, it's easy to add new information to what feral mom has taught. This is what I call the cat database, a filing system in the cat's brain where everything that has happened to them is filed away under good or bad. Kittens don't have much information in their cat database, so new information flows in and gets filed later. This is how we can teach them new concepts pretty easily, using their emotions. If we hold the kitten for a few seconds and then put them down by a treat or a filled food bowl, we start to look pretty good. Grown cats are going to need much more time. They are not as malleable. They have a lot of database entries which involve people trying to scare them away or even harm them. So when they access their files, they are going to get back caution advisories. It doesn't mean they are hopeless. They probably won't be lab cats, but they can possibly become reserved but enjoyable buddies. It takes a little more effort, that's all. Do we know how to make friends with any kind of cat? Consult wayofcats.com backslash blog and discover all my helpful articles about cat language and cat etiquette. Don't run away. I'll be back with tips about living in a perfect world. We'll be right back after a short pause. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back talking about the shy, the reserved, and possibly the feral. Our cat Tristan, currently three years old, started out with a potentially feral situation. His feral mother was later trapped with a new set of kittens who needed a lot of socialization. The new kittens had the same distinctive head markings that Tristan had and were caught in the same area. But Tristan himself escaped this fate by being found, abandoned, at the age of three weeks. We got him just as his understanding of the world was developing. So he grew up with both people and cats being his parents and later his friends. By combining early foster care with an innately affectionate personality, Tristan has become the apex of non-ferality. He is so attuned to people, so trusting of the ones he knows, that we can't even play Villain Hands with him. Villain Hands is a cat game where we hold out our hands in a vaguely threatening way, and the cat we are vaguely threatening becomes aware that they are being teased. They will spring to alertness and enjoy the sudden reversal when the game ends. That is when we turn the Villain Hands into friendly hands, and they get some petting. Fun for everyone! But Tristan is so trusting he doesn't play villain hands. He just looks happy and waits for the petting. 
A cat without trust in humans will find no humor in villain hands. This will only confirm what they knew all along. We are up to no good. Without trust, every move, every expression, every attempt at friendship will be interpreted in the most negative possible way. We need at least an open window to peek through. In a book called Cat Sense, British anthrozoologist John Bradshaw states that cats never really became domesticated the way dogs have. We humans simply picked up on traits cats already have and modified them only slightly. He says we did not select for anything but good hunting abilities, so these stay intact if the cat is forced back into a wild situation. Far be it from me to argue with an anthrozoologist, but I find many of his assertions to be, and to an extent I find unusual for a scientist, unsubstantiated. Like he says, cats bring their prey into the house as a side effect of their hunting strategy, which is to follow the scent markings their prey leaves behind to communicate with one another. The cats discover these marks and wait for dinner to answer the phone. Then, because any other cat can also read these marks, they will take the food somewhere safe to actually eat it. So far, this is behavior which is holding together with actual evidence. Cats do ambush and they do like to take food out of their bowl and bring it somewhere else. But then Bradshaw declares something I can't agree with. He says cats take a catch home, and then they remember that the canned cat food we provide tastes so much better. This is why they dump the fresh kill on the floor. And this is where he completely loses me. In my popular Way of Cats blog post, Cat the Gift Giver, I postulate that cats leave us gifts of dead prey because they want to repay us for the favor of feeding them. It's a gesture of equality, of friendship. I found support in this theory from the behavior of my very smart cat, James Bond. He would leave toy mice on the bed as a token of his symbolic efforts to feed us because he knows they aren't real. I know this because Mr. Way of Cats found one on the bed and pretended to eat it. James Bond gave me a look that clearly communicated his distress over Mr. Way of Cats's cluelessness. He doesn't know they are fake. Help him. James Bond had left the mouse-like toys as a symbolic gift. He understands symbolism. I'm not sure Dr. Bradshaw does when it comes to cats. He's not giving them any credit for being able to think abstractly. I am. And I say my theory explains a lot more about their behavior than a strict wild animal template. I do understand Dr. Bradshaw's scientific point of view. It might be considered the classical view of animal study. And by classical, I mean a mindset which hasn't been changed since ancient Greece, also known to me personally as Up Yours Rennie Descartes. Descartes was the 17th century philosopher who regarded animals as machines. Don't worry that they display reactions that indicate distress or fear or pain, he said. It's merely a reflex unlike ourselves. And here is where I start calling fowls. A foundation of evolutionary theory is that every earth-based living organism came from common ground. We all started from the very same single-celled organisms, and it wasn't until quite late in the game that we began branching out into species. Even at the subphylum level, we are far more alike than we are different. To me, this means that we and our cats are very much alike. When I'm frightened, it's the exact same emotion as when my cat is frightened. This expands beyond simple empathy, beyond emotional capacity. Science tells me that Tristan's brain is structurally similar to my own brain. 
while his brain is much smaller than mine, his thought processes could be deduced on a structural level to be much the same. To Dr. Bradshaw, cats don't seem to be capable of learning anything. Over and over again, they bring their dead prey home, and only then do they remember, oh yeah, I have much better stuff in my bowl already. Do Over and over again. But any one of us who live with cats will recognize that cats are not slow learners. We all know that. It doesn't take more than two or three times for a cat to realize a particular strategy is or isn't working. It is true that when a cat is driven by their instincts, they can find it difficult to adjust the strategy. For instance, when it comes to the litter box, we must conform to their instincts if we want them to use their box with comfort and ease. But it's not like the cat keeps using a suboptimal box situation, is it? They go to a dirty, noisy, high-traffic spot only a few times before they say, dang, this is awful. I got to find a better spot to go. And then they do. And I get a Dear Pammy email. So it doesn't make sense to say that a cat does something over and over that makes no sense. They do things because of their instincts. But the things they do are things which make sense. They do obey the urgings of their survival instincts, but only in certain ways. So when a cat fears us, there are many possible reasons, but there is only one cause, which is uncertainty. They don't know if they can trust us. They don't know what we want. They don't know what to do. And when they aren't sure, caution is their fallback position. And that's fine. We can't challenge that right away. We can only chip away at that position by being someone they don't have to be afraid of. Someone who displays their good intentions. Someone who does happy things for them every day. I'm giving our cats credit for understanding what happens to them and where it comes from. If we become a source of warm sleeping spots and tasty food, we are going to be regarded as friends. We can develop some kind of mutually satisfying relationship. No matter how much wild instinct is driving this particular cat, any overture reveals they could be our friend. If we give them time to get used to the idea, if we continue to grow the friendship, if we continue to show that we want to be buddies, and that's a beautiful thing. We can often be attracted to the shy, the stray, the desperate, because of our kind hearts. Just make sure we are connecting and magic things can happen between us and those cats. Find out more at wayofcats.com and tune in next time for more about how to create happiness in a perfect world. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.